We're going to be starting back off in verse 11 through 17. And what I love about James, and I say this quite often, is just how practical uh, the teaching is that James is giving us. It's, it's deep, it's, it's theological, but there's easy to understand application. You can take it, you can read it, and, and James was heavily influenced, you can see a lot of, by Jesus' teachings, the Sermon on the Mount, and, and also the, the wisdom literature of, of Proverbs, and that obviously influenced James' style of how he wrote and how he taught, and it just brings a lot for us, even in our modern context. So starting in verse 11, warning against judging others. Now, how many of you here would say, I never judge people? Never, never. I used to think I never judged people. I used to, in fact, I got really upset with, I grew up in church my whole life, and I get really upset and frustrated with those, those Christians, you know, the judgmental type. And one day I was going on, I was like, God, you know, church would just, there would be more people want to come to church if you didn't have those people in your church. You know what I'm talking about, God, those that are always looking down and making people feel uncomfortable and their noses are in the air and they're always holier than thou and it's like they've never got any problems. Like, God, just, why can't, why do they have to be so judgmental? And God said, um, you're judging them for being judgmental. Maybe if you showed them the love and grace that you want them to give others, they'll learn. Oh, wasn't expecting that. So, fair, fair to say, every single one of us has little things in our lives, little soapboxes maybe at least, that we get a little judgy about. We get a little particular. What happens is there's some righteous indignation, some emotions rise up within us, and we don't realize it. We don't intend. We think we're helping the world by pointing out people's problems and helping them see their problems. And yes, there is a right way to do that, but oftentimes we start out in the wrong way of doing that. And in those emotions, it's easy for us when, when seeing what's wrong with other people to feel good about ourselves because, well, we're not as bad. And though that was a problem, so the, the early church, they were real people, they weren't any different than us. And part of his writing that was to go out to the whole church, he puts in here, verse 11, don't speak evil against each other. Now, a lot of us, we think, well, I don't speak evil. But he's going to kind of clarify this. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize, wait, criticism is evil? Ouch. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. It's a powerful statement. What's he saying here? What's what's God's law? Well, we know from Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40, Jesus himself said uh, he had a group of of very judgmental people. The Pharisees came around him, and they they prided themselves. I'm going to fix that. There we go. He prided himself on how much holier and better they were than everyone else. And they often, they tried to trick Jesus into into affirming and telling them how good they were and how bad everyone else was. And so one of these days, they came up and they say to Jesus, say, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? In their minds, they were keeping all of them. 
Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Or strength, that word can be translated all your being, basically, all that you are. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important, because if you don't do the first, you're not going to do the second. And if you believe in the first, you will do the second. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law, everything that God has spoken to us, and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And we know what it means to, to love each other. We've talked about that quite frequently, that, that that type of love that God is talking about doesn't mean that gushy, ooey feeling that you have towards someone. It's this choice to, to serve and to give others what they need, whether they deserve it or not. Christ gave us his love. He gave us his one and only son on the cross, even while we were yet sinners, even while we didn't deserve it. He gave that to us. And so when we begin within our minds to, to categorize people who deserve God's blessing and those who don't, we are actually going against God's law. And that's what was happening. These, these Pharisees, they were keeping, they were like, well, I didn't murder anyone this week. Well, I didn't have an affair. I, I didn't blaspheme God. I was a good kid. I didn't talk bad to my parents, blah, 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 blah. They thought they were keeping the law, but they were actually going against God's law by not loving, by judging and criticizing and putting people down. So if we are criticizing and putting others down, especially other Christians, you imagine we go out to the world and say, hey, you need to follow Jesus. You need to come be a part of my church. You need to come be a part of this great loving family except for these people over here. Okay, we don't talk to them. We, we shoot our wounded and eat them for lunch sometimes. How many of you know in your own family, let's think about it, in our own families, who are we the most critical of? The people closest to us. The people who have chosen to be the most vulnerable with us are the ones we are often most critical of and most likely to wound and also are most likely to be wounded by. And James knows that, and that's why he's addressing this. He's saying, stop hurting each other. Stop wounding each other. If we are criticizing and putting other people down, we are basically saying that God's ways are stupid and our ways are more righteous and just. Now, we would never verbally say that to God. I've thought it, and I've said that before. God, I think my way would be better, but you're God, okay. But how we live our lives, how we treat people, that displays what we really think about God's word. Jesus also said in Matthew 7, verse 1 through 5, do not Judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged, or another translation, or the measure you give 
the measure you will receive. This idea that the measure of grace and compassion you give to others is the measure of grace and compassion that you will receive. We all know that Jesus told a parable in, in line with this of a, of a rich, rich uh, ruler or king, and he had people underneath him, and this guy owed him a lot of money. And this king graciously said, all right, you know what? I forgive it. Just don't worry about it. And this guy's like, yes, I'm forgiven. And he goes off, and he has somebody that's underneath him, and this person's poor, and they owed him a lot of money. He's like, how dare you not pay me? And he throws this person into jail and, and takes his wives and children and makes them servants and seizes all of his property. And then that king finds out about it and says, what's the deal? I just forgave you. What gives you the right not to forgive someone else? And then he swaps their places in jail and takes everything that 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 person had and gives it to that poor person who was mistreated. And so the same way we, we, in the same way God has given us great treasure, he's given us his grace and his mercy and his love, and we are called to give the same to each other whether we deserve it or not. I will be the first to say this is a hard teaching and it's not easy to live out, and that's why we, we come together, we encourage one another, and we allow the Holy Spirit to empower us to live this out. We cannot live this kind of life separate from Christ. We cannot live this kind of life if we're not spending time in the presence of God, because it's the presence of God that changes and transforms us into the person that we are called to be that can actually do that. It's not us. When the person I see in the mirror is not capable of living this kind of life. But when I spend time in the presence of God and I allow my countenance, my thoughts to be transformed to those of Christ, that person has been graced with the ability to do that. The rest of Jesus' teaching, he says, And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye? When you have a log in your own, how can you think of saying to your friend, Let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite! First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Jesus was saying there, as he was saying, Look, we've got this log called pride. We've got this log called unforgiveness. We've got this log called judgmental attitude, and it blinds us. And yes, we each have specks. Yes, we each have problems that God has called us to to bring rebuke, to bring correction, to help bring out of each other's lives. But if we have the log of of judgmental attitude and pride, and, and we that can't no longer then see through the eyes of Christ which are the eyes of love and compassion and grace. So James is is saying, going back to it, that we aren't to put down and speak poorly of others, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. Not to criticize and judge that a person's salvation or value in the kingdom of God. That is not our job. It's God's job to determine the sincerity of a person's heart, not ours. It's Jesus' responsibility to determine the destination of a soul, 
not ours. And so James continues to let us know what our responsibility is. I was recently uh, on uh, Facebook, and I'll, I'll let, we have, there's a Facebook group I'm in, and it's all pastors and ministers. Pastors and ministers are real. They can be just as mean and vindictive on Facebook and social media as anyone else. But someone had posed a, a theological question. They said there's a couple individuals in our, in, our, in our church, or my friend's church, and they have a certain issue in their life. But they've recently come to faith. They've been faithfully attending. They're getting excited. They're, they're serving. And they recently were even filled in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But they still have this issue. What do we do with that? And right away, some people chimed in, well, they're not really saved if they're blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to make that call. So they professed that Jesus is Lord. They've come into the body. They're still in process. I'm still in process. How many of you are perfect? I'm still in process. <laughs> in process, yes. Some of you are a little slow. No. First one, process, yes. Okay. Perfect second. Okay, there we go. All right. <laughs> if you raise your hand on the perfect, we want to pray for you later. Because you a liar. <laughs> oh. And I brought up, I said, you know, Paul went to the church in Corinth. He wrote him a letter. They had a lot of issues. They had all kinds of sin. They had every sexual immorality and sin you can think of, it was there. They were greedy. They were selfish. But you know what? God was there and moving. What do we do with that? Well, we do what Paul did with it. Paul went and he said, hey, God is working in your life. Praise God. That is real. God is working. God is calling you. God is working in your life. He didn't take that away from them. He didn't come in and say, well, I'm the Apostle Paul and uh, your life's a little messy. We're going to have to take your Christian card away. God forbid we do that. Judge not lest you be judged. If we're, if we're going to take Jesus' words, how many of those red letters, are probably, those are probably good words if you're going to start taking something real serious, those are good words to take serious. If he says, judge not, lest you be judged. I am not touching that with a 10-foot pole. I am not going to determine who is saved and who isn't. Now, there's fruit of the Spirit that when someone is saved, when they are following God, that it's going to come out, and it's going to be evident, and we're going to cheer that on. And there's things in each and every one of our lives, each and every one of us, that does not line up with God's will for our lives. And yes, we are in love, going to help each other. We're going to bear one another's burdens, confess our sins one to another. Next week, we'll be looking at James chapter 5, and he talks about that. He says, confess your sins one to another. Pray for each other that you will be healed physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. But just because somebody has a sin that I'm way more uncomfortable with than my own does not give me the right to put them down and question their salvation. 
So what is our job? What is our responsibility? James continues. But your job, this half the next half of verse 11, but your job is to obey the law. So my job's not to make other people obey the law. My job is to make sure I'm obeying the law. Your job is to obey the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. And everything else that Jesus taught. If it came out of Jesus' mouth, the disciples, the apostles wrote it and it's in Scripture, we are to obey it. Your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. I love that. There's kind of a two-edged sword coming out here. James is, is hitting the judges, but he's also hitting the judges, the ones getting judged as well. He's saying we each need to be in right relationship with God each and every one of us, and each and every one of us are the sole person responsible for our own right relationship with God. We are not to be deciding if God's law applies to us or not. When we find ourselves being judgmental and critical and putting people down, what we are deciding is that that rule doesn't apply to us, that we are somehow in a special bracket of anointed and we can help put people in the right place. On the other side of this two-edged sword, we have those that, and we've all been there. We've got something in our life that we're struggling with and we don't want to let go of. It's a comfort place for us. And there's a reason why we need to be gentle and careful with people. Because people aren't always just sinning because they just want to be rebellious against God. People are hurt and they are wounded and there are ways that they have learned or have been taught to them to cope with the pain of life. And they need a healing touch from God before they can be set free. And so how dare we judge their sincerity in their heart and their motives? But there's times where we, each and every one of us, we have to look in. And God is calling us to step out of what was and into what he is calling us. He's calling us to to step out of what we are comfortable with. To step out of what what gives us that, that instant gratification. And to step into what he has called us and to obedience to His Word, and the leading of His Holy Spirit. And oftentimes, we, we, it's easy for us to, to look at other people, and, and sometimes people shy away from the church, and, and it's easy, and I was part of that where you say, oh, they're just so judgmental, I don't want to go there, because they're just going to point fingers at me. And the reality is that I just didn't want to let go of the sin in my life. The reality is, I wanted to feel that somehow, because of what I was feeling, what I had gone through, 
that I was justified that I somehow, the law didn't totally apply to me the same way it applied to everyone else. We are not to judge whether God's law applies to us or not. Our job is to obey it. Verse 12, God alone who gave the law is the judge. Say that, God is the judge. I'm even glad he's the judge. I'm glad he's the judge and not me, because there would be a lot less people in this world. How many of you are like that? Just like, that driver? Nope, they don't even need to exist. They do not even need to, poosh. I don't think they even had a mom. Just poof, they're not real. You ever, I had that once. I was pulling out of Johnson Creek, and I was doing right, and this guy, in a, he had his old mom with him. It was funny. She was sitting there, and he just whips out in the corner and just, whoo, flips me the bird. I'm like, oh. I don't even think he showered this morning. He's flipping me the bird. I, I don't think he's doing any. It's so easy to get in a, just a judgmental spirit, not realizing that I don't know what that man's been through in his life. I don't know what abuse he's endured. I don't know what lies he's been told. So what right? God alone, he alone has the power to save or destroy. That's freeing. To tell you as a, as a minister, and there's a place in your walk with God when you get excited and you want everyone to know Christ and you want everyone to, to be saved. It's easy to take that burden upon yourself. It's easy to feel as though you have to go and you have to save them and you carry that burden. Jesus said, my yoke is light. And so many ministers, so many pastors, and so many Christians, we carry this extra burden upon us as if it is our job to sort out who's going to heaven and who isn't. And because of that weight, we, we, like, we don't like fuzzy lines. We like clarity. and we, 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 So we draw extra lines and we're like, okay, if you, if you cross this line, yeah, okay, no, you're probably not safe. If, you, if you're over here, so we draw these lines to, to help alleviate that burden. I'm just going to say, God is the judge, not us. Let that burden go. Jesus said, my yoke is light. The responsibility he is giving us is to live out what he is calling us to live out. And to share and to proclaim his good news. We sometimes want to know where that line is so we can compare ourselves, not just to make sure we are on the right side of the line, but how much more farther back from the line we are than other Christians. But are we really recognizing it was Christ who saved us and not our own efforts to get up to that line and not cross it? If you're like me, you've had conversations with God. God, how far can I go and still be saved? God, how far can I go and still be saved? That is not question God has called us to ask. Can we be right and other people wrong? Yes. We're wrong. Other people are wrong. Of course we can be wrong. Of 
course, other people can be wrong. Yes, of course, they can be living lives that have sin. If a fellow Christian is making unwise choices or, or blatantly going against God's plan for their lives, are we in love to help them? Again, in love and grace and compassion to help them? Yes, of course. But are we to judge whether they deserve salvation or not? No. Because none of us do. Whether, let's say there was this line. Okay, there is a line. It's Jesus. Jesus is the line. Either we accept him or we don't. There's your line. A judgmental heart and mind pushes people down. A loving heart and mind lifts people up. So James isn't saying just let everyone do whatever they want. He's not saying that. We know Paul doesn't teach that. Jesus doesn't teach that. But there is a a right way to do it. We are to go about it in love, in compassion, in patience, in grace. The same amount of grace and compassion that Christ gave us till we could, because we're still in process, right? We're still in process. I know how gracious God has been with me. I don't ever want to give up on someone else. Because I know God has never given up on me. Here's just a final, some reflection questions. Who am I currently? Or have I always criticized or been judgmental towards? Who am I currently, or have I always criticized or been judgmental towards? And just to help us a little bit, there's areas that we as Christians oftentimes can get a little judgy. Politics, church denomination, culture, style, hair, dress, music. How many of you heard few past elections, I heard it on every side. You can't be a Christian and vote for that person. Jesus says, don't do that. That's setting a very strong judgment. Second question. Instead of putting these people down, how might I pray for or serve them to lift them up and bring them closer to Christ? Our goal isn't to tell people how far from Jesus they are. Our goal is to bring them to Him. If someone's drowning, you don't go, Hey, you're drowning, you idiot. Learn to swim. Come here, watch me. Why aren't you doing it? You jump in the water. You put your arms around them. And you drag them if you have to. I love the quote. I think it was, forgive me if I'm wrong, I think it was Spurgeon. He said, if people go to hell, may it be with our arms wrapped around them, dragging as hard as we can. Third question, what areas in my life do I need to start obeying God's laws and stop making excuses as to why they don't apply to me? 
the worship team would join me. How many of you are thankful that when we find ourselves in those judgmental places that we can stop and we can say, God, forgive me, and he does. He brings us back. God knows our heart. And I just want us this morning as we, as we end this morning and we've had people praying, if there's anything on your heart, if you've been struggling with either judgment or there's just areas in your life you've been struggling with and you just need someone to love and pray for you, just encourage us, let's just let God uh, do that this morning.